Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about the things that we're watching out for in the Falcons' second preseason game, the second of three uh, for this 2021 season, uh, this week on the road against the Miami Dolphins. Joining me for this podcast is one of my favorite writers at the site. Uh, he was at AtlantaFalcons.com. Uh, he's back at the the Better site, um, and <laughs> he's got his own podcast talking about the Falcons. He'll he'll tell you about that uh, during the podcast. Uh, one and only Will McFadden. Will, thanks for joining me. Yeah, DW, thanks for uh, for having me on. I'm super excited that you know we have football back in our lives in some yes. form or fashion. Uh, unfortunately, it looked a little bit uh, similar to <laughs> what we've seen previously. Um, and even though preseason games don't matter. Uh, the hours that we spend watching them do, and I would rather them go better than they did last time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, the first thing I want to talk about, because I think it will influence that very thing you're talking about, is obviously the first preseason game. We didn't see any starters. And the mm-hmm. only potential starter that dressed was rookie Kyle Pitts, and he didn't even take a snap, <laughs> which was yeah. sort of a, a way of, I guess, of taunting the fans, which was sort of funny to see their reaction. <laughs> um I'm, I feel like even though the Falcons had a good practice um, from what we heard uh, from reports in Miami, I still feel like the starters may actually see a little bit of action, maybe one or two series. What do you think? Do you think we'll see Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, some of those guys out there on uh, Saturday? So that's the big question, right? Uh, obviously, when there were four preseason games, you knew what to expect. The third game was the dress rehearsal game. You know, starters maybe played one series in the first and second game and then didn't play at all in the uh, fourth game. I think that this game, the second game is the greatest chance for us to see any of the starters, because I don't Mm -hmm. think they're going to play them in the final preseason game. Nope. That being said, I think you're going to see a lot of different approaches around the NFL teams love a consensus and they will copy what other teams do. Just like we saw with the pandemic last year and how different teams handled the pandemic differently. We're mm-hmm. going to see, I think, a lot of different approaches to this second preseason game because this this is the wrinkle now. With only three games, you know, we saw Andy Reid in Kansas City, I think, said his he's expecting his starters to play a full half and then maybe a little into the third quarter. Oh, that wow. would be like a traditional dress rehearsal preseason game. Yep. I wouldn't be shocked, though, if you have some teams that say, hey, we're playing our starters one series because now like the, the reason the preseason is so valuable to coaches is for the evaluation of all the young guys. And they're looking to see who can be on the practice squad, who can contribute right away, all of that. So taking away four quarters of preseason now means that these coaches who love the preparation time, they they can't get enough hours in the day. These coaches are going to freak out, I think, a little bit over the lack of evaluation time. So how much do you try to get your sure thing, the guys you know that can play, how much do you lather them up a little bit, get them some live reps before 
the very first live reps of the regular season versus we need more evaluation on these younger guys. And and that's going to be the interesting part, I think, of this week's um, NFL preseason slate is how do teams balance that? But I would guess that the Falcons are going to get um, their starters, especially because it's a new scheme, new coaching staff. If that wasn't the case, it might be a little bit more up in the air, but I think you're going to see the starters out there and then the guys that they feel really comfortable with, probably they get pulled back to the sidelines a little bit quicker and then you start seeing them mix it in and out. But I would say you're going to see for the first drive, probably both starting units out there. That's my feeling as well. Uh, And to your point, at some point, you know, Matt Ryan probably doesn't need the snaps. <laughs> he's, <laughs> yeah. he's been in the league long enough that you you know what to expect from him. Uh, and, and, you yeah. know, it's sort of the same thing with guys like Jake Matthews. Uh, Calvin Ridley is, uh, you know, obviously now into his fourth year. Um, so I, I do think that a lot of these starters, they'll see a, a series or two uh, and then get pulled because it sounds like from what happened to Miami that they had two really good days of practice against the Dolphins. Um, did what they wanted to do both offensively and defensively, which was very interesting. Yeah. Um, so I, I, it sounds like I'm with you. I, I think they they still want to put the emphasis on the evaluation of the young guys, and in particular, evaluation at spots where the starter is not cemented, which we'll get into in just a second. Yes. Um, but I, I feel like that is where the focus is going to continue to be because right now the Falcons – you know, this is just because of the consequence of the way the cap has been handled, you know, having a lot of stars on the team, um, they become top heavy, which means the back end of the roster, there are a lot of spots open and there are a lot of young guys competing for those spots and they need to see them in these situations. And that means, you know, if, if you've got some wide receivers that are competing for that fourth, fifth, even maybe sixth spot, uh, we kind of know what Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage have to offer. So yeah, uh, it seems unlikely that you're going to put them out there for a half um, when you're, as you mentioned, a new coaching staff trying to get these guys uh, evaluated uh, completely. So excellent yeah. point. So I want to ask you on the offensive side of the ball, what are some of the key positions that you are keeping an eye on, uh, maybe either from, uh, you know, there's still competition for the starters or where you think there's an opening for a, a potential contributor for the season? Well, just just as a before I get into kind of specific positions as a whole, going back to if the starters do play on both sides of the ball, mm-hmm. I think the thing that all fans should be looking for that I will be looking for is how do the starters play? Because you mentioned yeah. the the depth issues. Because Jeff Schultz wrote a piece for the Athletic saying basically the Falcons have the most um, minimum wage contracts in the NFL. And that makes sense for all the salary cap reasons we've been covering throughout the offseason. Yep. So we know that the depth is not there. The Falcons' best chance to win this season is for their starters to stay healthy and play damn well. And mm-hmm. that's why normally I wouldn't really care how the starters look in preseason, but we need to see them have much more success than the team did in the first preseason game. And if the that's starters go out there and light it up, I will feel much more confident going into the year. If they don't, I'm not going to be, you know, the sky is falling, but I'll be a little bit more trepidatious um, yeah. with my expectations. Specifically, though, um, obviously the offensive line. I mean, I think that was the <laughs> the big, like, nightmare scenario in, in game one was just, wow, they can't block second teamers. And the, the Falcons are in good shape, I think, with having, Matthews, when I, when I saw Matt Hennessy didn't dress, I was a 
little surprised by that. Um, but yeah. that clearly speaks to how the coaching staff feels about him, where he's basically, okay, you're being treated like a starter. Um, so I think they should feel in good shape about Jake Matthews, Matt Hennessy. I think Chris Lindstrom, again, is on a path to be a, a star in this league. And then I think Caleb McGarry, we saw what life could be like without Caleb McGarry um, <laughs> in the first game. So I think that should it's not good. help everybody appreciate him a little bit more than they have been. He's not great by any means, but he's not bad either. He's, he's an average tackle, and you can get by with one average tackle in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, but how the depth shakes out behind them, I don't think is a surprise to anybody that that's what, what I'll be looking for, You know, with, whether it's Jalen Mayfield or um, who's the rookie that Drew Dahlman or yeah. Josh Andrews or any of those guys. Um, it's a shame that Matt Gono has missed all of this preseason because I really think there's yeah. an opportunity here for him to really stake his claim. Um, and then outside of that, if the starters play, I want to see the running backs uh, because the guys that they had yes. in there in, in the first game didn't get anything done. And, and a lot of that is attributed probably to the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think you saw a lot more consistency and cohesion in the play calling and the scheme. They stuck to outside zone runs, play action off of that bootlegs and screens, um, which are your kind of three main pillars of, of an offense. And especially in the preseason, you're really not going to see a lot of wrinkles. But I want to see how, especially Mike Davis and, and Quadri Allison, I don't think we're going to see a ton of uh, Corderell Patterson or if we be very vanilla, because I think he's, if there's like an X factor on offense going into this season for me, I think he's, he's that just mm-hmm. because it kind of seems like the team has something in mind for him. Um, but every team that's ever had Corderell Patterson, like the <laughs> fan base thinks that before the season starts and then he, gets 38 carries across the season and he's mainly just a kick returner. Um, so <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll manage that. And then I just want to see a, a, the, the quarterbacks play better. I think we have yes. an idea of how this is going to shake out and that AJ McCarron is going to be the primary backup and then Felipe Frank's practice squad, you know, maybe third quarterback guy um, and, and just pray that Matt Ryan doesn't miss any, any time, <laughs> but for as much as everybody kind of came away talking about Felipe Franks and he certainly did kind of like spark the offense. I don't buy any, when a quarterback has the most rushing yards in a preseason game, I mean, that doesn't mean the quarterback's good. Yeah. <laughs> something's that, gone off the rails. That, like Danny Etling did that all the time. Like I need yep. you, I need you to get in there and move the ball with your arm. It, for me to take you seriously as, as a quarterback with upside, which is why it's a shame that Kurt Benkert is, is gone because he, he at least moved the ball through the air. It kept the offense mm-hmm. on schedule, made some plays with his arm, and it looks like he's doing well so far in Green Bay up there, and I wish him nothing but the best because he's a super nice guy. Um, but those are kind of the three things that I'm looking at, and I basically named every position on the damn offense. But um, <laughs> offensive line, kind of the the running backs we didn't get to see in the first preseason game, and then just I need to see the quarterbacks play better. Yeah, I'm, I mean, everything you said, 100%. Um, and for me on the offensive line specifically, it's that left guard spot. Um, yes. I, I feel like that, you know, with Josh Andrews right now, sort of the penciled in starter, uh, Jalen Mayfield being moved away from tackle and back to uh, competing uh, for that left guard spot. It sounds like he was alternating at times with Josh Andrews with the first team unit this week. So it'll be interesting to see if Mayfield can crack into the quote unquote starting lineup and get some snaps there. So that's obviously a position of, of uh, deep concern on the offensive line. 
Um, the wide receivers to me is, is really interesting. We know Ridley, Russell Gage, clearly the two starting guys. Um, it looks like right now, Olamide Zacchaeus is going to be wide receiver three. Um, although Tajay Sharp has been really making a push. Yep. Um, but, you know, you still have like that fourth and that fifth wide receiver spot and potentially a six. You know, we're, many of us are sort of assuming the Falcons go with five wide receivers this year. Um, but you've got guys like Frank Darby, who they drafted, uh, Austin Trammell, who really looked good at the beginning of camp, but got injured and has, you know, has been quiet since. Um, the depth at the wide receiver position, I think, is where there are some concerns. You know, Christian Blake, Chris Rowland, some guys that have been carryovers from previous years, um, obviously are in a competition as well. But right now it feels like, okay, it's Alameda Zacchaeus and then a bunch of other names. Obviously, I think fans want to see a guy like Frank Darby, who has been sort of a darling with the media because of his incredible personality yeah, yeah. and energy. Uh, and then, you know, a, a guy like Austin Trammell, who, who, who showed up early in camp and, and really impressed people. You know, those are guys I want to see. Do they get the opportunity to make an impression in this game? Um, and because this is, you know, we have just two more preseason games left. And this is part of the evaluation process that's critical for these guys that are on the back end of the roster and for essentially fighting for, you know, one or two spots. Uh, this wide receiver group could be the one where we see sort of the most uh, uncertainty going into that final preseason game. Um, and yeah. then w- sort of like what you said with, with the quarterbacks uh, between Franks and McCarron, neither one necessarily inspired confidence. <laughs> Let's hope we see something better this week that gives us a little bit more certainty about what, what that position is going to look like going in. Um, yeah. For the wide receivers real quick though, I, I just want to yeah. say, I don't think that the third receiver has ever been less important for the Falcons in, That's true. in a while. Yeah. Um, you know, probably pre the first dirt cutter run in, in 2012. So like <laughs> since then, I don't think that the, the slot receiver position has ever been less important because we know that Arthur Smith likes tight ends. That's his background. They've yep. got two very good tight ends. He ran more 12 personnel than any other offensive coordinator last year in Tennessee. Yep. So he's very comfortable with that. The roster sets up very well for that. And Alameda Zacchaeus is a very good, not a, you know, very good, but he's a suitable number three. So I think that if you're the coaching staff, you kind of look at, Hey, if we got to scrape by with what we've got this season, we can kind of manipulate the offense a little bit with personnel to get Mm -hmm. our best players on the field. And right now your best lineup looks like it's 12 personnel. Um, so yeah, we're we're sitting here talking about, you know, Tajay Sharp versus versus Christian Blake versus Chris Rowland versus whoever. But at the end of the day, I really think those roster spots are going to be given based on special teams uh, yes. skill and acumen because I don't think that yes. this is going to be a team that goes, you know, five wide with five wide receivers out on the field too, too often. Yeah, uh, it's easy to forget that. Kyle Pitts is probably going to line up a good bit yeah. um, uh, away from the offensive line, which is what we've, we've seen it in practices. We've seen it uh, in some of the, uh, the public practices with the Falcons. And I suspect that will be the case through, through the season. And that's an excellent point. Yeah. I, I think if anything um, it's going to be the guys that are going to sort of be in there periodically for relief for Ridley or gauge or in case of injury, yeah. uh, just to, hopefully so that the depth doesn't drop off dramatically. But then again, you know, this is just the reality of the NFL. If you lose one of your most talented players, it is 
exceedingly unlikely that you have a guy that's just as talented waiting on the bench to jump in her to play some like when we had Julio uh, if Julio got injured there was not Julio 2.0 sitting on the bench waiting uh, to, to replace him and that's that's just how NFL rosters work and that's you know part of the part of roster construction now the running backs um, you know we Mike Davis didn't even play in the first preseason game if mm-hmm. we see him at all Again, it's probably going to be somewhat limited. I agree with you. I think Patterson is probably going to be uh, mostly held out in this game. Uh, I think he's going to be a, a player that's going to be used all over the offense and special teams. But, you know, that remains to be seen. The last three or four guys, like we haven't actually seen Quadriolison in a game yet. We've heard a lot about him in camp. We've heard a lot of, you know, before he got injured, we heard, oh, this guy's looking really good. You know, he, uh, there was an article by Mike Rothstein, the ESPN, talking about you know his offseason and, and how he learned to run, which I know sounds crazy, but it sounds really promising. <laughs> and then you've got guys like Caleb Huntley, who's looked really good. Uh, Javian Hawkins, who is a, uh, an incredible talent that I think a lot of people uh, were very hyped up about. How do you feel about this running back group? How do you think this one's going to shake out? And who, who are you sort of keeping an eye on to see if they make a move for themselves in this preseason game? Um, well, kind of big picture because I like having said that I want to see the starting running backs. That's only because I I do think that they will play, but Mm -hmm. philosophically, if I was a coach, if I was in charge of a team, my starting running backs, my top two running backs wouldn't play in preseason games. Like just period. They running back is the one position where a, you want to really save the miles on the, on the tires. Yes. And you are more likely at the, that position to uncover a diamond in the rough than I think at any other position, just because mm-hmm. of the surplus of good running backs in the league. Like a league average running back is very cheap and very serviceable. Um, as long as you have a good scheme and line in front of them. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's why I'm kind of looking at not, you know, Mike Davis, not Cordero Patterson. I, I am looking to see if, if Quadri is kind of, let's say they do take my approach and those first two guys only play like one series each. Yeah. If Quadri gets the entire second quarter and half of the third, I need to see him kind of really take ownership and look like a starting running back, even if he's not the starting running back. Um, and then behind him, I mean, Javian Hawkins, I guess, is is the guy that everybody seems to believe has the most upside. Um, Caleb Huntley had a, a much more productive first game um, and got in there kind of with with receptions, he had 18 yards on the ground, um, which, you know, <laughs> is not good, but it was good in the context of that first game. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I, I think really my answer is that I don't have uh, enough evidence or make a conclusion right now of who is the guy that I'm rooting for. I'm really rooting for all of them and hoping one of them just kind of steps up and, and makes, yes. makes uh, an impression because right now nobody has done that and I, I again i put a lot of that on the offensive line there's only really so much that you can do um if nobody's getting blocked in front of you uh so i want the offensive line to to give these guys an actual chance to show what they can do and then the good thing is like i, I tweeted out before the first game the best way to watch i think these preseason games is just pick pick a guy and watch him for three to four plays in a row just kind of focus on him see how he Yep. Has one play, reacts if he gets his butt whooped or, or he dominates the next play. And then 
whatever. The, the good thing about this game is you can do that with the running back position. So, so you're still watching exciting play. You're not sitting there watching a defensive tackle just for four straight reps because that can be kind of boring. Watch the running backs. See if they read directly. Where is the offensive lineman's helmet? Is it in front of the defender? Okay, then you're going to try to stay on the outside and use that offensive lineman as a wall. Is it on the inside of a defender? Okay, then there's a cutback lane there. Is he going to hit that? Does he make those right reads? When he cuts, does he lose any speed? Is he explosive? How many mm-hmm. you know cuts does it take for him to get back on his track? Um, in the open field, you know, does he make guys miss? Does he run him over? Things like that. Watch for all of those things. And yeah. the good news is running back is a fun position to watch. Um, <laughs> so yeah, whoever, it, it doesn't necessarily matter about the production for me, but if I'm watching each of those guys carefully, the guy that does the right thing consistently is probably the guy that I, I will be rooting for to make the roster on the, on the down further part of the depth chart. Yeah. I, I mean, that's absolutely it. it. It's funny. We, we often get attached to specific players early in camp because of the quote unquote potential um, or, you know, splash plays that they make early on. But to your point, what we really should be looking for is the guy that consistently makes plays that seizes that position that really grabs it and owns it in the preseason and root for that guy. Uh, yeah. And not just the guy that we get attached to, because God knows over the years as Falcons fans, we often get attached to specific players. And it just doesn't work out. I, I literally thought that Eric Saubert was going to make the Hall of Fame based I, on <laughs> on seeing him in like two consecutive preseason. Like it became kind of a running bit. Oh, Anytime man. that Eric would have a, somebody would come running over and be like, you see that we got it on camera, like all that and come and show it to me. And then he got traded to the Patriots and it broke my heart when I had write that story. Um, yeah. But yeah, we've, we've all got those guys. Yeah. And that's, uh, it, it is, we are well served by remembering the number of guys we rooted for who didn't even make the roster in the past. Yep. Um, all right. So I want to talk about the guys on the defensive side of the ball that we're keeping an eye on and probably the most important position because it will determine some of these last roster spots and that's special teams. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys... It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is David Walker. I'm joined by Will McFadden. We're talking about what to watch out for in the second Falcons preseason game in Miami against the Dolphins. We talked about the offense in the first half. We'll talk about this defense. Um, some of the guys that... Uh, Obviously, we're keeping an eye on. Uh, we know the guys like we're comfortable with, right? Grady Jarrett, Deion Jones, Foya Luakun, 
Uh, we all sort of feel comfortable with many of these starters. Um, but there are guys that are in sort of maybe that second tier, the, the second, uh, the rotational guys, especially on the defensive line, uh, maybe guys that uh, could potentially contribute in the secondary where I think there's still some uh, competition going on. Uh, so, Will, as you look at this defense, and again, with the understanding, like we talked about in the first half, that we're probably going to see starters a little bit. What are you watching out for on the defense as we go into this preseason game? Um, if the starters do play, I want to see the AJ Terrell Jalen Waddle matchup. It, oh, it seems yes. Like, like one of the better uh, preseason tests that you could possibly get um, because I think they've obviously been competing a lot in these joint practices, which by the way, I, I kind of had this thought earlier, but a great decision, um, I think, on the part of Arthur Smith. Dan, yes. Dan Quinn didn't usually like to do the joint practices, and, and I understand his reasoning, but I think especially bumping down to three preseason games, it's imperative that you have a joint practice because that you more rep against another opponent and against kind of live competition, so to speak. So A.J. Terrell and, and Jalen Waddle have been I think battling a lot in this camp and it seems like each party has gotten the better of the other one um, mm -hmm. at times. So when the lights are on, how does that, how does that work out? Because the thing that I think we've been seeing and hearing about AJ Terrell so far in camp is that upstairs mentally, he's, it seems to have really kind of clicked for him and it, you know, the physical tools have always been there, but yeah. for a corner, especially you have to be proactively reactive and understand based on your leverage based on alignment uh by the wide receiver like what are the possible route combinations what does this player like to do it's a lot like um if you're a, a pitcher or or maybe a batter facing a pitcher knowing the pitches that that pitcher likes to throw the things that they're comfortable with stuff like that it seems like aj's taken a step in in that regard so mm -hmm. going up against a rookie who is further behind in that part of their game but physically off the charts I just wanted to see how that shakes out and yeah. is AJ able to, to contain them uh, past the starters. Well, actually with the starters, I want to see the outside linebackers um, because it yes. seems like that's a pleasantly surprising group of, of guys. They obviously bumped back players like Steven means and Jacob Tuioti Mariner. And those guys have been getting run with the, the starting group, but those would also be guys I would expect to see out there a little bit longer when the, um, just because it's kind of a new role for both of them, but I really like both of them as players, and it seems like they've been impressing in that role. Um, so then past them, Ade Ogundeji uh, is, is obviously been a big name throughout camp. This is exactly what I look for with a rookie in terms of kind of training camp mm -hmm. news, consistency. And yeah. it, because guys can have splash plays, you know, uh, Isaiah Oliver as a rookie can, can make a pick on the second day of camp and everybody kind of freaks out. And then, <laughs> well, maybe that was a little bit of a, an outlier. Um, but doing it day in and day out is I think very impressive as a rookie and really something to latch onto. Yeah. And that he kind of also did it in the first preseason game is also very impressive. So if he, if he kind of comes out, and maybe they give him a little bit of a longer run. Maybe they get him rotationally out there with the uh, the starters and then leave him in there with the twos. And if he impresses, then I'll be sold. And, and he'll be an early favorite for me from this rookie class, kind of in the way uh, like John Kaminsky. If, if those two guys can kind of be good, serviceable rotational pieces um, this year for the defense, then I will think much more highly of this defensive line and kind of the rotation than I did two months ago. Um, 
Yes. So, so, so that is one thing that I'm looking for. And then the, these backup corners, I saw, I think reports that Dwayne Johnson has been getting a little bit of run in team corners. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously Chris Williamson was somebody early on in camp who kind of flashed and he made one or two plays, uh, I think on like special teams in, in the first game. And then TJ green, those three guys at corner, I will be kind of watching. Yeah, that's, uh, I completely agree. And, and, this to me is the most intriguing unit. Um, we sort of we knew going into this season, right? Arthur Smith with the offense. Um, you can go back and look at what he's done in Tennessee. You know the resume there is strong. Uh, he's inheriting a lot of talent with Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan, drafting you know a, a talent like Kyle Pitts. But the defense, this is where there was a ton of question marks. And that first preseason game, I think really wet the appetite of Falcons fans. It was impressive. It was impressive. Uh, and, you know, we, many of us sort of speculated, okay, Dean Pease has a stellar reputation in yeah. his time in the NFL. Like, Maybe he's got two rings for a reason. Yeah, right. And it seems like he really may be making a major difference here. Apart from guys like Grady Jarrett and Deion Jones, like the, the ones you're sort of expecting to already be performers, all of a sudden, like you said, you hear rookie Eddie Ogundeji is, is beginning to show consistency in camp and getting run with the ones. Uh, and you're like, wow. And then you hear, you know, Dante Fowler is looking healthy and, and explosive as a pass rusher. Um, this, to me, this whole unit is intriguing because of the guy who is now coordinating them and yes. what he can do with these guys a little bit further down the roster. You know, we're seeing guys like Dorian Etheridge and Earl Thompson, the the linebacker position, really show up in camp and show up in these preseason games. There is a ton of possibility with this defense where not just the the key starters, but guys who are going to be maybe just part of the rotation, getting, you know, 20, 25, 30% of the snaps at most, who could be – a big part of this defense taking a leap and becoming it maybe even a respectable unit, <laughs> not, not a good unit, but yeah. enough to not just absolutely lose you games every single week, as we saw, we've seen for so many years. Um, but I, I, I'm with you. I love, I want to see can Ogan Deji build on what he's done in camp and what he did in the first game. Um, if Marlon Davidson is healthy, can we see him continue yep. to build on what he did in that first preseason game where he looked very, very good, um, mm-hmm. even though he was going up against, you know, second stringers, essentially. Um, will a guy like Enroll Thompson, Dorian Etheridge, these two backup linebackers, will they carve out the role for themselves and show that they can be a good backup linebacker behind guys like Jones and Luikun? And as you mentioned, the cornerback position, past Terrell and, you know, the rental starter we have right now on the Fabian Moreau, <laughs> is it going to be uh, Dwayne Johnson? Is it going to be Darren Hall? Uh, is Avery Williams going to carve out, you know, a, a little bit of a role as a rookie who was really drafted for special teams. Mm-hmm. And this is, and you said it in the first half, and, and I think it bears repeating because it's such a consistent truth every year in the NFL. Many of these guys are going to have to cut their teeth on special teams to really secure that final roster spot. And in going into that, uh, to, to close out, you know, this conversation that I feel like, for guys like Avery Williams, guys like uh, Christian Blake, Chris Rowland, who was in the competition for that punt returning spot, um, Austin Trammell, who was early on in, in competition for that punt returning spot, they're going to have to show up on special teams. And 
last week I was speaking with uh, Evan after the postgame podcast, and we were talking about the fact that, you know, you always are going to see a vanilla offense in the preseason. Um, on, you know, most of the time you'll see a vanilla defense. But the one thing where there's not going to be a variation where you can get a good feel for what it will look like during the season is special teams um, and how these guys execute as gunners, as protectors, as returners. Um, that is really where you're going to make the biggest impression in this preseason game. So um, what is your, what are your thoughts on special teams? I know, I know you said in the first half and, and again, the, the criticality of being able to carve out your role on this unit before you can even talk about being a starter on the defense or offense. Criticality. That's a nice word. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I, I think one of the interesting things uh, having, having been there and, and kind of covered it while the league was adjusting their special teams rules with uh, wedges, wedge busters, all of that stuff. I remember being in kind of like a little media coaching session that the, the Falcons would hold. And they were talking about um, just the changes in the way that, that special teams was now being officiated, you know, having to be 10 yards back from the, the line, the, the boundary areas, all of that stuff. And one of the key changes was or th that was kind of a result of those changes was that less offensive linemen um you know defensive ends these bigger guys who used to you know i remember ben garland was always on <laughs> the kickoff return unit because he would be one of the last guys back there and kind of be the center of that two-man or three-man wedge right in front of the returner mm -hmm. that's no longer the case you're not going to see those guys instead it's going to be linebackers tight ends and then corners and wide receivers as, as your gunners. Yep. So as we talk about roster construction, I think it's important just to set the table right there because these are the positions that are going to be impacted the most by Fantastic the special point. teams depth chart. Yep. So when we're looking at, at those guys, like Foye Aluakun, I remember uh, Keith Armstrong Say he was the first person that really brought up Foye to us when he was a rookie because he said <laughs> in the special teams meetings, this dude gets every answer right. He knows every answer to every question that I ask him. He just knows what to do. He's reliable and dependable. Obviously, we see what kind of player Foye has become. So these younger guys like Errol Thompson, you mentioned Dorian Etheridge. I thought it was very encouraging that Richie Grant made the opening tackle on the kickoff in, yes. in the first game. Um, I think it was TJ Green who kind of ran down the returner when he broke it off for a big run and basically stopped him from getting a touchdown. These hustle plays, yeah. you're going to get a lot of breakdowns in special teams. You know, I've, I felt really bad for Josh Harris because he kind of was in his lane on that big return and then <laughs> dove the guy's feet because he was a gap over and whoever was supposed to be manning that gap was was off assignment. And I just felt bad for him because I noticed that happen. But you're going to get mistakes like that. It's who kind of through sheer effort and will makes plays. And that's both from a return aspect and from a um, like a gunner aspect. Yeah. It's a little bit harder to evaluate everybody on special teams because you just don't get a good angle from the broadcast. It's a much better end zone angle, which is why I always go back and watch the coaches film because special teams just you can't see a lot of the guys. Yeah. Um, but really just the, the young, the rookies. I mean, that, th that's the showcase for, for them. Um, so guys like Avery Williams, Chris Williamson, Richie Grant, TJ Green, um, the, the linebackers that I mentioned, 
because like Jacob Tuyoti Mariner is another person who kind of cut his teeth on special yeah. teams. Russell Gage. Russell Gage yeah. was drifted, drafted for special teams. Exactly. Your energy guys, and then you develop them there and you get the most out of them. You, you encourage them. They work themselves into roles, uh, usually on defense, whether sometimes it's like Jaden Graham, um, who's always my favorite player to watch yes. on special teams. But, but these are your energy guys. These are the, the ones where the motor of the team kind of really comes from. Um, so it's absolutely, even in special teams, it's maybe the most important aspect of the game to watch, which is totally flipped from the regular season. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but real, real quick, I want to go back to, to your point about Dean Pease because I, I just kind of had a thought go for it. while you were uh, talking about him. And if I could wax philosophical for a second, which I often do. Um, do it. It's, it was so fascinating to him call that first preseason game. Oh, I mean, oh man, because you, you mentioned you mentioned the um, aspect to to preseason, and that's usually very true. It's it's just super cookie cutter. Here's what we're running. Everybody in the NFL runs the same stuff in preseason, and then in practice, that's where you kind of throw in your wrinkles. Dean Pease just threw that out the window. Nobody ever told Dean Pease <laughs> that you were supposed to be vanilla on <laughs> in the preseason games. But I think that's a excellent thing because this is a different philosophy for these defenders the cover three zone defense relies on making offenses work themselves down the field in small little chunks put together 15 play drives that result in a touchdown because the bet is that by not allowing you to beat them deep keeping everything in front eventually the offense will either make a mistake or the defense will make a play one sack they're behind the chains and it's very hard for them to then make it up because they're playing to the defense's strength. That's what Dan Quinn rely to do that. You usually get a four man rush and you drop seven into coverage. Yeah. The issue is when you're not able to win with a four man rush and your coverage is not strong enough to really hold up for four five, six seconds in coverage, you got to do something else. Yes. And I remember talking to Raheem Morris and Jeff Fulbrick last year, once the coaching staff was or change was made, they were dialing up pressure more and we saw it be effective. Oh yeah. I think that Dean Pease's idea of if you're not great at one thing and recall Dan Quinn came from Seattle where there were probably four hall of famers playing on the same defense together. Yeah. Yeah. Sit back and rely on those guys to make the game changing plays. They didn't have that in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And I think that Dean Pease saying, all right, we're going to then make these guys productive with scheme. You can do that. The Steelers are a really good defense and they also blitz a lot because they pressure the throw everybody off of what they want to do off of their rhythm. And I think we saw the benefit of that in the first preseason game. Now it's only the preseason. Yeah. You can get burned playing that style of defense. And it scares me a little bit because I do think that the, there's a very high burn uh, chance for, for this, oh, yeah. this defense as it's constructed right now. Um, you're putting a lot on your corners but you're also helping them in a sense because you're getting to the quarterback quicker. Yes. And if they can do yes. it as effectively as they did in the first game, this defense could be one of the true surprises across the NFL this season. Yeah, exactly right. I, I've, I've referred to them as a, potentially as a boomer bust defense where yep. uh, they're going to send eight guys and uh, they're either going to take down that quarterback fast or you're going to see a, a, a toss for a touchdown. They'll, they'll lead the league in fantasy one week and then be last the next week. <laughs> exactly. They'll give you 24 points one day and yeah. negative five the, the next. Um, 
But in many ways, I think fans are ready for that as opposed to the, as yep. you mentioned, you know, dropping seven or eight in the coverage and, and hoping you can get that pressure in the front four. Um, but yeah, it, in many ways, I, I feel like this defense as a whole, again, as we were talking about, is something to watch for in this preseason. Um, if for no other reason, then it may end up being the most entertaining part of the game, like it was in the first preseason game. Yeah, um, and just seeing Falcons fans like have fun watching the defense felt incredibly foreign. It, it was like <laughs> instead of hearing the weeping and gnashing of teeth and, and hearing people sort of like uh, you know talk about how great Dean Pease is was was a nice nice change of pace. Um, all right, so Will, any last final thoughts as we go into this second preseason game uh, before we close out? Um, yeah, I, I just want to, a, I want to see Kyle Pitts. Um, yes, please. I, I just, I want to see him out there. I want to see what he looks like against NFL competition. I kind of don't feel like we're going to get that much of him. Um, I, I get the sense and what I've heard is that him dressing in the first game was really more of just a procedural matter. They yeah. wanted him to just go through the motions of suiting up for an NFL game uh, it's it's really interesting. We used to get the whole schedule, the rundown of like the two hours before kickoff, and they have everything detailed to to the minute. I mean, it's like wow, um, you know, eleven fifty three. Special teams players go out for initial stretch. Eleven fifty seven receivers and running backs go out for stretch. Like uh, twelve o'clock, whole team stretch. It's like very very regimented. So I'm sure they just wanted him to go through that and get the feel. Um, but I want to see him out there. I want to see, uh, how he connects with Matt Ryan. I just don't think we're going to get too, too much of that because I, like, I think like Corderell Patterson, they probably want to keep him very close to the, to the vest. Yeah. Um, and then just, just play better. <laughs> like I, I cut down, <laughs> cut down on penalties that that's one, that's one real thing. Yes. I know the refs, they do this every year. The league stresses, every type of penalty in, in the preseason, but they also, they, they just need to play much more tight yeah, play to the competition. Yeah. And if the refs are the competition in this case, then don't give them the chance to call anything. Exactly. And especially for these offensive linemen, got to turn that around um, in this game, because I think that there was some momentum starting to build for AJ McCarron. And every single time it seemed like he made a good play, it, it was just called back and it was yeah. an impossible situation. So those two things, get me Kyle Pitts, get, get him two series, get him off the field, um, but throw the ball a lot to him in those two series. And then <laughs> uh, just, just clean up the penalties guys. Yeah. I, I think it is worth noting. That's the penalties is one of the main things. Arthur Smith sort of took away from that game um, because as you noted, that is, you, you know, you scratch the scheme, you scratch all that stuff. That's the mental part of the game. That doesn't change from preseason yep. to regular season. So hundred percent with you on that. Um, as for me, I, I'm with you, man. I, I want to see pits. I, I don't want to have to wait until, you know, for another three weeks to see this, uh, first round, um, talent, this special talent potentially, uh, get on the field. But I suspect, you know, we'll, we'll see him like one or two plays and then we're going <laughs> to, it's going to like, it, like getting that first taste of a, an exquisite dessert. And then they take it away from you. It's like, don't do that. Um, I so, hope the first play of the game is Kyle Pitts in wildcat formation. <laughs> oh man, that would actually feel like they were trolling us at that point. <laughs> uh, 
Oh my God. That would, that actually would be something special. Um, I, I don't even know how Falcons fans would react to that, to be honest. <laughs> All right. So that, that is what we're looking forward to in this next preseason game, guys. Obviously we'll have one more preseason game. We'll talk about that in the next week. Uh, that one is going to be critical for those last positions on the roster as it always is. Um, but will remind our listeners where they can find you, tell them about your podcast and what else you've got going on. Yeah. Um, First and foremost, you can follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden, um, where I tweet about Falcons things and just other random stuff about my life, which, you know, that's what Twitter's there for. Um, and <laughs> then I uh, got a podcast uh, called Believe in Falcons, B-L-E-A-V. It's part of the Believe Podcast Network, same spelling. Um, and notably, uh, former All-Pro fullback for the Falcons, Obi McHaley, cool. has now joined as my co-host and he's a very sharp guy. I mean, I, <laughs> yes, it was only is. really my first kind of real conversation with him, but the dude knows a lot about football and, and he's, he was in California, I think staying with a bunch of other former NFL players when I, uh, when we were chatting and a few just kind of kept walking in the room, um, in the background, I kept trying to get him to, to come on the pod. Um, but yeah, Ovi, Ovi knows his stuff. He'll be with me throughout the, the season and hopefully well into the future beyond that. And then uh, my written stuff is at the Falcoholic. Uh, just had a piece go up on AJ possibly making a Calvin Ridley like jump uh, this season, which could be bigger than any possible outcome for the Falcons. Mm-hmm. And then um, today and tomorrow we will have two of the final four Atlanta Jersey history um, series pieces. So we are in the 80s right now. We just had 81 to 85 go up. Um, Roddy White, obviously, in that one, as is Terrence Mathis. And then tomorrow, Saturday, um, will be 86 to 90. And then we've got two more to go. So check those out at the Falcoholic. Awesome, awesome. Um, as for me, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this podcast at Falcoholic Pod, and as uh, was already mentioned, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. This is for Will McFadden. This is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll see you during the preseason game. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. You guys have a great night. Talk with you next time.